lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great, long Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoyable, restful, festive. We are absolutely festive around here, as you can see. Now, Todd Erzin, is it permitted? Merry Christmas. Let it commence. Let the season commence. Uh, the McIntyre family, again, doing a fantastic job decorating the set here. So thank you to uh, the two McIntyres. Thank you, you Aaron, for that. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's, again, D-E-A-C-E. You can also look for us on MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter. Speaking of MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter and Facebook, you guys will be asking the questions next hour. We sampled places, all, all of these places, for questions you did, right? Yes. So they're all going to be represented today in our Monday Town Hall, Ask Me Anything next hour. Just a little disclaimer. I did ask Todd, let's really emphasize the more serious questions this week. Correct. Because we were off for so many days. I I just feel like, you know, most people, there is actually a sizable audience that loves it when we delve into into sports and pop culture stuff. But the vast majority of the people that tune into this, tune into it for the more, um, shall we say, decisive subject matter, right? And they're perpetually living on the edge these days. As as they should. If you're paying attention, you should be. Uh, and so with only two shows last week and then a long break, I just felt like, you know what, the ser- folks that are that are in serious mode, we should give them their propers this week. So I did ask Todd to emphasize the more serious questions. Of course, I've not seen any of them, and then I will answer them for you, uh, hopefully um, with a maximum amount of spite and, um, and also uh, got you from you uh, coming up in the next hour of the program. You can also get clips of the show when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, and those clips are both free to watch and free of censorship as well. Today, of course, is Cyber Monday. So you know our friends at Built Bar, uh, they brought it. It's done, been broughten. Is that a word? It is now. It is now. All right. They are debuting today two new flavors. Now, one of these I've tried. Uh, They gave me a sample of the Caramel Almond Delight Bar. That's the new flavor from Built Bar, and it is phenomenal. All right. Right now, I don't don't even know how to rank. You know, I've I've had like a, a good top 10 of Built Bar power ratings for flavors for a while now. They've come out with so many good ones recently that... I'm having a hard time getting beyond, like, I know what my top three or four are, right? And then I can't rank anymore who six, seven, eight, or nine, mm-hmm. or ten are. Okay? You just got to keep trying each one seven times, that's, and, and that's, then you'll that's sort true. it all out. Uh, or, you know, seven times, 77 yes. maybe, that many times, yes. Uh, but if you want to try the new Caramel Almond Delight Built Bar Caramelized Chocolate as a protein bar, not loaded with calories, carbs, and sugars, loaded with all the good stuff and the protein you want. And they've got a new puff flavor. That's the marshmallow variety of their protein bar. Their new puff flavor is white chocolate cheesecake. Now, I've not had a chance to try this. I have tried the new ruby chocolate uh, built uh, bar puff, and it it rocked my world. It was so good. All right? So today, it is 20% off site-wide today. Extra savings for Cyber Monday 
when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for built.com for Cyber Monday and you get an extra discount today at 20% off with the promo code DACE at built.com. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us. And I was telling you guys before the show, it, it was it was an emotionally draining Thanksgiving weekend. Just both most of it good, okay, but emotionally draining. Usually Monday after Thanksgiving, they'll tell you every year it's the most sluggish I am. I'm just used to getting home again and getting in the routine, and then I got to go back to work. This was like the first time ever I was actually anxious to get back to work, okay, because. I just needed to get back to a normal routine. You know, I'm, I'm still a, an emotionally stunted heterosexual male. That's a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm crying at a funeral. I'm hugging my son in the garage, okay, over a football game. All right, I mean, it's just, I got to get back into just, we're chill. We're guys, right? Fist bump, it's all good. Get back, got to get back into the no emotion swing of things. All right. So um, I'm, I was comfortable to get back to work uh, here today. But Bob is going to join us because um, uh, his son, Lucas, who has fought a who fought a lifelong battle with disability, passed away uh, last week. And that's why Bob was not with us. And his funeral was on Friday. And um, it was an incredible memorial. And I've. You know, uh, Bob and I have been very good friends for many, many years, but I, I never really got a chance to hang around Lucas because he was always under some form of supervised care. And um, just to see that level of tribute for um, a young man and the joy that he brought in 28 years, most of it confined to some form of care setting. And I'm sitting here at 48 and realizing, uh, man, with God-given advantages that Lucas does not have, I, I hope when it's my turn to be put down in the ground that the people who care about me can celebrate and honor me and the legacy I'm leaving behind, like what is going on here. So we will talk with Bob. He is back today. And... Uh, we will talk to him about that here at the bottom of the hour, especially given the season in which we're in. It is an excellent time to sit back, pause, and reflect, and remember to keep the main thing, the main thing, the first things, the first things. And I think you're going to see, as we kick it off here, officially now, with Todd's blessing, we're not in the Christmas preseason anymore. It is now the season. This is why we lift all them weights. This is why we decorate all those trees, right? It's for right now. This is the reason for the season right now is Christmas is here. And let's kick it off with a very festive version of Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. Nothing brings back warm Christmas memories like the songs and carols you love. And only pericarditis and his mRNAs have all your favorite holiday songs in one non-random controlled study. It's beginning to look a lot like a Vax Pass to get into anywhere you go. From inspiring hymns like Oh, holy spike the protein bloodstream traveling because they lied and it don't stay in your arm. Oh, little town of Wuhan, we can't believe you lied. 
creeps who should be put to sleep. Those bats, they don't live nearby. Two traditional Christmas classics such as The Twelfth Decade of Lockdowns My True Lords Gave to Me Absolutely freaking nothing I've been home since Christmas hmm. You can zoom with me Said your kidneys to the people far and near Do you fear remdesivir? Then there's those funny novelty songs to lighten the mood. Grandma got run over by a Cuomo. He left her to die in an infected nursing home. I really can't stay. Baby, it's COVID stand. I really must go. Can't, baby, it's COVID stand. I saw mommy masking Santa Claus because the CD said so last night jingle bell jingle bell jingle bell palsy if you dare get that booster then you sure are ballsy and of course we remember the reason for the season ouchie did you know that your virus would someday wreck the world ouchie did you know that your science doesn't know what's a boy or a girl. It came upon Anthony Fauci, a sulfuric presence of old. From demons deep within the earth, who knew that his soul was sold. But that's not all. This collection has so much more to offer, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Redfield, All I Want for Christmas is My Fifth Vaccine, Deck Rochelle with Facts and Data, Whitmer Wonderland, Little Jabber Boy, Have Yourself a Little Waning Efficacy, Happy Christmas, This is Never Over, and more. All this can be yours for a high, high price we can't name yet because inflation. But don't let that stop you from this once-in-a-lifetime collection. Call now at 1-900-666-VAX to order. Only available while supply chains last. Must be double-masked when you call. Again, that's 1-900-666-VAXX. So, Todd, we thought we needed something that truly said tis the season that kicked the season off something proper that that fully encapsulated both everything that this time of year is gloriously about and everything that the last couple of years has ingloriously done and put those two things together into one compendium one compilation that just in a singular snapshot said that's where we live now you had no idea this was coming. Aaron and I have been working on this for about a week and a half now. Your thoughts? Well, uh, you are hanging on by a very thin thread, and I dig that about you. Wow. When, remember when I laughed at Steve? Um, he said, well, that song's not in my key. Um, I thank God Steve doesn't have a key because he lent all his non-talent to that in the best way 
anybody could imagine. So this is the dude code when we say that if you you are actually exemplifying the dude code when you run and break the dude code in certain instances all the time without exception, his full-throated embrace of that saying, no, 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 no we're not going to get some pro or somebody sounds good. I'm singing this. I'm dying on this hill. Jean-Luc Picard, here and no further. This is why it's an honor and a pleasure to sit on his right. Aaron, your thoughts. And by the way, that that was a magnum opus. The ratio, it looked like the Time Life Christmas commercials from the 80s with the, the B-roll and everything else that you and I watched growing up. All right? I mean, that was masterful, brother. Masterful. You know, there are plenty of things. I, you know, this this took me less time than today's montage would have taken me, given what, what happened over the weekend and the crap that's trying to be pulled upon the entire globe yet again. I think this was the perfect thing to lead off this week with. We didn't know what an Omicron was Mo- when we started working on this. Mock yeah. this. And most people already are. Most people already are. Uh, new variant, what, uh, I, I can't, most people that I've seen anyway are just like rolling their eyes at this already. I think this is the appropriate response now. When Anthony Fauci opens his mouth just to laugh, belly laugh at him, and then remind him that he does deserve to be in chains and possibly, you know, something a little bit worse for his crimes against humanity. And all the medical establishment, when they open their mouths over the next month and a half as they attempt to lock you down and scare you again, just think about Fauci, did you know? Just think about uh, Jingle Bell's palsy. Because your reaction to that and to this should be the same, which is laughter. And then going about your life as normal. We wanted to, could we, and by the way, the gentleman who like three weeks ago on Buy, Seller, Hold sent us the list of COVID stand Christmas songs. Yeah. It was a couple days later, I'm just sitting in the shower and those came to me and I'm like, holy crap. I came up with a whole bunch of other, dude, you're, I can't remember your name. You are the muse here. All right. As they once said in the movie, I had to watch way too often to the point I actually started to like it. All right. As a, as a father of two daughters. All right. High school musical one, two and three. Okay. You are the music in me. I mean, you help to inspire the the this you planted that little mustard seed and it just kind of we just kind of germinated and it grew from there and all year long we have talked about a couple of themes and one of them has been what does the devil hate the most and Aaron was just was just highlighting that to be mocked we wanted to give this and we didn't know what an Omicron was or whatever the hell it's it, they're all G variants if we're all being honest they're all, every var- every one of these has been a G variant if you know what I'm saying G here here all right so. Um, how do we just mock these people? They're, this is beneath contempt. It is not worthy of the salt in our tears. And that's been true for a very yes, it is. long it time. Is, it is not worthy of the spit that flies when we get angry about this. It's not worthy of any of that. This is to be put down. This is to be shamed. This is to be insulted. This is Jesus referring to Herod as a sly fox or the religious leaders as whitewashed tombs and broods of vipers. This is to be humiliated with maximum scorn and contempt because 
of whence it came, the bowels of hell. Treat it with maximum prejudice. Give it no quarter. Don't argue with it. Don't debate it. Mock it. Scorn it with disdain. Take all the disdain that you've swallowed and put up with and and found some other outlet for so that you didn't go insane or take it out on people you cared about for the last 21 months and now channel and target it where it belongs. Antiochus Epiphanes has dared to slay a pig on the altar of the Holy of Holies. Be a Maccabee and give him the response he deserves. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. But that's what we're talking about. This is not to be taken seriously. It is to be seriously and summarily dismissed. And just like the traditional Christmas songs that we grew up singing and still love have so much theology and, and, and lessons to be learned within their lyrics, right? Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What does that mean, right? These lyrics also... If you look at the actual lyrics themselves, they have lessons for us to learn as well. Like, oh, holy spike, the protein bloodstream traveling. I'll, I'll take credit for penning the lyrics to all of these. All right. And then Aaron basically did the rest. The protein bloodstream traveling because they lied. It doesn't stay in your arm. And that's why we've seen such a magnified number of side effects beyond the sheer volume. How many of you did they tell back in January and February it would just stay in your arm? The spike protein, it is the manifestation of an infection, would not infect you. How many of, that's what they told us, correct? Correct. That's a lie. That was a lie. Or the little town of Wuhan, the bats, they don't live nearby. They're 900 kilometers away, and that's why they've not been able to find us, our patient zero. That's why they've not been able to retcon this or reverse engineer the original source of the virus. They are the source of it. That's why. And murderers don't typically lend you or lead you to the weapon. They try to divert you instead. The bats, they don't live nearby. It wasn't bats. Um, or I've been home since Christmas. I read, I mean, our CEO Tyler sent out a story, uh, texted me out a story yesterday of a couple that's been married for over 50 years. They haven't seen each other in, in like 18 months. Have you seen this? Yes. That is just some evil, wicked stuff. And this is what happens when you lose your Judeo-Christian foundation as a civilization. The idea that you, you, what seeps in is the idea that life is nothing more than a survival rate. How long can I keep this going? How long can I sustain myself? To what end? For what purpose? For what significance? If the cost of me living in my elderly years, is to be isolated from the person I spent most of my actual best years with and everybody else put me down like a dog. I've, I'm good. I'm good here. I've lived a nice life. I'm, 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 I, I think we can all on some level as men agree with some level of faith-based perspective. Do not, if you are my children, don't you dare let me go out like that. Say dad's had a good run. Take him off the meds. Get him out of the corner. Let him come home and die with the people that he, lo- that, he, that he loved as he lived with them as well. I'm going Legends of the Fall. I'm going to go out and find a grizzly bear to wrestle and go out that way. No doubt. No doubt. Said your kidneys to the people far and near. Do you fear Redemsephir? 
Because you should. It doesn't work. It's a garbage drug that's never worked for anything, and that's when it's not causing you kidney failure. If you are the one or two people that have emailed me, said, hey, it helped me, consider yourself fortunate. Because if you look at its actual efficacy numbers, they're dreadful. And that's, again, when they're not causing renal failure. Or grandma got run over by a Cuomo. He left her alone to die in an infected nursing home. I don't, I don't know that we need more exposition on that one. It I think it's pretty. For I think it pretty much sings for itself. Baby, it's COVID, Stan. I really must go. You can't, baby. You can't go anywhere. You can't. You must stay home. It's COVID, Stan. Jingle bell, Paul, Jingle bells, palsy. I was particularly proud of that one. I thought you'd like that one a lot. Okay. If you dare get that booster, then you you sure are ballsy. Yeah, no doubt. Especially when the WHO is already telling you that this this new South African variant, what have you, is is essentially um, uh, uh, COVID therapeutic resistant. Newsflash: Every variant since July has been COVID therapeutic resistant. Since at least July, that's been true. What month is it now? Almost December? Almost December. Yeah. Fauci, did you know that your virus, that you and your Chinese friends and scientific elites were working with on your gain-of-function research there in Wuhan in order to come up with preemptive vaccines, did you know that your virus that you created, sir, would one day wreck the world? Do you know, Fauci, that your science doesn't know what's a boy or a girl? Did you know? Because we sure know. And then, to me, the peace de resistance, which is why we saved it for last, a sulfuric presence of old from demons deep within the earth who knew that his soul was sold. Mr. I am the science. Did you see that yesterday? Yes. Yes. See, just like the traditional Christmas songs preach a lot of theology, so do these ones. Just a different theo. And they didn't think I could come up with another nefarious book. I couldn't. I came up with a nefarious hymnal. Any thoughts on that? Well, another uh, song comes to mind. Uh, It's uh, Live Aid. Do they know it's Christmas time? Hmm. Down in Africa. Well, the, the, the script is flipped. You know, we sang songs back in the 80s thinking we cared about them. And now... Africa wasn't the point at all. We just had to scare the hell out of the first world to get them to lose their mind. But we let Africa basically go on and do its thing. Now I haven't had an opportunity to follow up on the actual statistics, but I'm seeing a number as low as 6% of the continent has been vaccinated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Sweden times a million in terms of a control group. And lo and behold, look at variants did. I know a lot of you still don't even, like variant has been turned into the scariest world in the world. No, variants naturally get weaker. We've been telling you this forever. And uh, unless this is another diabolical Wuhan plot, which, hey, I'm all ears, because we all think that could happen too. But this is actual science we're seeing happen. A weaker variant, because we allowed this to go through uh, populations 
that yes, in some respects are uh, less healthy, but in a lot of respects are uh, younger as well. Then we're going to look back on this time in history as the place science went to die. Hmm. But hey, who knows? Uh, so we got to re-rack. I think we need to get dust off uh, Bono, dust off Sting. Uh, is Boy George still around? I just heard the song a couple days ago. We got to re- we re- got to re-rack that. We got to do the second version of that song because Africa may just be here to save the rest of us. The ancillary song list that we came up with for this. Um, Little Jabber Boy. Little That's Jabber Boy. So How, my, my favorite is Deck Rochelle. That's a reference to Rochelle Walensky, the head of C, the CDC. Deck Rochelle with facts and data. I thought, I like that one quite a bit. You like that? You laughed quite a bit at that one. I know that you like that I one. I didn't stop laughing the whole time. Have yourself a little waning efficacy. And Happy Christmas, This Is Never Over. A little play on the John Lennon protest Christmas song uh, from the anti-war movement. So we will put the, we're getting already, I'm getting a slew of emails and tweets. Yes. You it's can, up on Rumble now. Yeah, you can bet your sweet bippy we're going to spread this thing far and wide. Help us to do that. Shove this down the throat of every public official, school board member, wannabe Karen, you know. Mock them. Mock them. Mercilessly. What the devil hates the most is to be mocked. Are we going to put this on Facebook? I mean, if you're going you know to go what? out, what we're the going heck? On, we're going all we're putting it everywhere. We're going to put it absolutely everywhere, everywhere. This is a good hill to die And let on. the chips fall where they may. Amen, brother. All right, because what what the bowels of hell that have done this to us for the last 20 months, what it hates the most, what it can't stand the most, is not to be taken seriously. It lives off our it lives off our anger. It loves our vehemence, our loathing, because it comes from a place that loathes righteousness and loathes those of us that believe in it. So return it with the scorn and mockery it deserves. Don't take it seriously. Don't debate it. Don't argue with it. Don't get exasperated. Don't let it take your joy. Don't let it spoil your holidays. Nope, 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 nope. Laugh at the bully, mock him, ridicule him, because that is what stings most of all. And hopefully this will be a tool for which you can unleash some of that scorn and mockery or unleash that bile and venom that you have been swallowing and storing up for this last going on almost two years now. You can now channel it in a direction That's a little bit more constructive and destructive and at the entities and individuals deserving of it. Before we get out of here for this segment, let me tell you about our friends over at Keeps. Do not ignore our advice. All right. You can do something about that male pattern baldness and receding hairline with our friends over at Keeps. They offer the generic version, so you get the biggest savings available out there every single day anyway. And then they offer so much convenience. Everything's done online. You snap a few pics of your hair, answer a few easy questions online, and then a licensed physician will look at your file and recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you, but then they add big savings to get you started as well. Half off your first order... When you go to keeps.com slash grow, 
So you're going to save about 50% all the time anyway with the generics. All that convenience, it's all done online, delivered directly to your door. But then we give you big savings to get you started. And we can do that for you today. When you go to keeps.com slash grow, that's keeps, K-E-E-P-S, for keeps.com slash grow. All right, when we come back, um, I mentioned it was just a very emotionally draining uh, weekend for me. And one of the events that was the most emotionally draining uh, was the funeral for our friend Bob Vanderplatz's son, Lucas. And Bob is back to work today. And, and he's going to join us here in a few minutes. And um, he probably wouldn't want me to mention this publicly, which is why I'm going to do it. <clears throat> Just really classy of, um, of Ted Cruz and his father, Raphael, to fly in for this and pay their respects. Just a very, very classy move on their part. So I wanted to recognize that. But this funeral had a very powerful message. And Bob will share some of that with us uh, when we come back here in a moment. Stay tuned. back here on the Steve Day Show, and you know, mortgage rates, refi rates are still at or near record lows. So if you want to take advantage of that, take a step before you do, all right? Make sure you're fully armed with your own information on where you stand from a credit standpoint, credit rating standpoint, so you don't get blindsided or they, they don't try to tell you, well, I mean, there's something you didn't pay off, uh, you know, uh, four years ago and you thought it was completely done and taken care of. Here's who can help with that. And it's who we used earlier this year before we did our refi this fall. Because ScoreMaster takes all of your information and, and brings it to the person it really belongs to, you. Find out exactly why you have the score you have, exactly why. They'll... And it'll be all laid out for you the most simplistically you've ever seen. Because a lot of times, even if you can get your lender to hand you your credit report, it's like impossible to decipher that thing, right? So ScoreMaster will lay it all out for you. And then, you know, hey, what's the score you want, uh, you think you need? Here's how you can get to that point as well. All right, so visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. Takes just minutes to enroll. And sometimes the average ScoreMaster user can raise their score about 60 points in just about three weeks even. All right. So ScoreMaster.com slash Steve to get started today. Again, that is ScoreMaster.com slash Steve. Well, we welcome back a uh, friend of the program and a longtime friend of mine, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing as good as can be expected. So um, we didn't mention this to the audience last week. We're weren't really sure what the protocol and everything sure. what that was and didn't think it was our place to say but um uh, your son Lucas uh, passed away uh last week and that's why you weren't here and um and then you guys had the funeral on Friday the day after Thanksgiving and I mean it was it was an incredible service and as much as you're able to I don't want to put you on the spot that's why I asked you yesterday if you're sure. okay with this you know but um, as as much time as you and I have spent together, and as good of friends as we've become, I've not really, I've not really known much about Lucas other than the book you wrote about him several years ago because he's required 
you know, assisted living or care this entire time. But I've, I've heard a lot about him. Uh, and, and, but to see the way that he was honored, particularly by his brothers, um, I mean, it, it just, it blew me away. Here he is at, at age 28 and confined in ways that most of us would consider to be suffering, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching and, and listening to the legacy that he's leaving behind. And I'm 48. I have all these advantages of this platform and everything else that God has provided for me. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I hope I can come close to having people honor me that knew me the best, that loved me the most, honor me this way when it is my time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be um, uh, to be remembered. So I don't even know what I want to ask or say. I, I just wanted to say that to you and then just kind of give you the floor because so much has happened. Every day I'm getting emails from people. They want to intubate me. They want to put me on a ventilator. They won't give me medical care. I'm going to lose my job. Sure. And it's emotionally overwhelming for me. I, I you know, I, to just see the amount of suffering going on just within an audience, just within our own audience, let alone the country. And now it's Christmas. And if there was ever a time for us to get a reminder about the what's really at stake and even with the challenges we're currently facing, how blessed we are, now seems to be, I think, providentially, a really good time. Well, first of all, thank you, Steve. And it really meant a lot to Darla and I to have you and Amy there, uh, along with uh, Noah and Zoe, as, as well as the many others who showed up or who expressed support in a variety of ways, prayers and words of encouragement. Maybe for the audience, Lucas was, is our third son of four boys. Uh, he wasn't supposed to live for two days, nor two weeks, nor two years. Uh, very rare brain disorder that got diagnosed when he was about 16 months old called partial pachygeria lysencephaly. And what that means is that uh, usually lysencephaly means you're characterized by a very small head and the brain is completely smooth. Uh, Luke's head was extraordinarily large, a larger than normal head, like he had five ventricles. Uh, partial means part of the brain was affected of uh, the lysencephaly, the smoothness of the brain, and the pachygeria is just kind of like squiggly lines going through the smoothness. And at that time, there was just a handful of kids in the entire United States diagnosed with this. Mm. And there was no, there was no norm. There was no, this is what you can expect. And we had doctor after doctor say, Lucas is his own person. We don't know what the course is going to lay out, but he's medically exceptionally fragile and he'll be severely disabled. And so Darla and I walked this, uh, you know, not two-day or two-year, two-week journey, but it was a 28-year journey with him. And Lucas blessed our lives in immeasurable ways, uh, impacted our lives in immeasurable ways. Uh, When he was younger in particular, uh, he would light up the room with a smile, with a clap of his chest, he loved singing, he loved car rides, and yet, you know, fully disabled. And there's a, there's scripture, and you know, a lot of times we read scripture and we act like we know what it means, but it's not until you live it and you walk it out, mm-hmm. but where the weak will teach the strong. And Lucas has taught us a lot. Uh, the name Lucas means light. Uh, we did not know that when we named him Lucas. And so we always say the light from Lucas. And I think what you saw 
in particular with our three boys. And I'd also add in Darla. Uh, yeah, for those of us that know your family, she is. This is not what she does. She's. She no. is very much the influencer behind the scenes, and and to see her though get up there, and this is something my wife and I talked a lot about on the way home. You know, to see her get up there, and and face the crowd and honor her son that way. I was doing a fairly good job, mostly keeping it together. Yeah. Until then, that's sure. that's when I kind of lost my composure. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and the, Lucas has taught us so much about life. Uh, first of all, there's things in this life that are going to crush you. I, I don't know what it is, but you're going to come under a crushing weight of something. Mm-hmm. And and either that, that crushing is going to leave you completely renderless or you, you, you drift away from the faith or you abandon the faith, or it's going to bring you tighter together, closer together, make a diamond in all of this is what Greg Baker just said to me this morning. And Lucas has had such an impact on our boys, what you saw in them giving their tribute to Lucas. Uh, Lucas impacted that tribute. I mean, he, he impacted those boys uh, significantly. Uh, Darla and I, it's brought our marriage closer together, not further apart. Uh, Lucas was still a magnet in our life, even though he, he required 24-7 care. And he had many, many seizures, five life flights before he was two years old. Three times uh, I had to rescue breathe him to get him uh, back to breathing on his own. Uh, so he's always brought us to the brink. And so this last time, Child Serve, which was taking care of Lucas, and Dar- and that's just 10 miles from our home, um, they noticed Lucas wasn't responding right. And so about 10 days ago, Darla said, well, I think we need to get him out and about because he was confined to that facility because of COVID. And Darla and I were meeting with Lucas in his backyard or in the garage because we couldn't be in the facility because of COVID. And so we still saw Lucas a lot, but it was in different circumstances, and he loved car rides. So Darla said, I think if we can just go and get him a car ride. So we gave him a car ride a couple Friday nights ago, and, and he gave out one singing noise, but that was it. And then Darla said, well, I think we can get him to our home on a Sunday. He, we always loved to have him at home on Sunday. We got him home on Sunday, and we spent all time with him, and That would have been the last time I lifted Lucas. I always lifted him out of his wheelchair, into bed, out of bed, into his wheelchair. It was just something I knew. The nurses would be like, how can you do that? And it's all, I grew up with Lucas. Mm -hmm. Lucas grew up with dad, and so it's technique more than anything. And and then, obviously, things just kind of went from bad to worse, and we were told he's got pneumonia. Not COVID pneumonia. Uh, Lucas had a major seizure. Uh, probably 10 days, two weeks before his death. And when you have a major seizure, sometimes they have to use what they call a rescue med, which is an oral medicine. And Lucas is on a feeding tube, so they had to use the oral medicine. And they believe he aspirated a lot of that into his lungs. And that created the pneumonia. Mm. And this is one that he just wasn't going to, he wasn't going to defeat. He wasn't going to beat. And we thought we'd have more time with him. Uh, the doctor said the next 24 hours is going to be crucial in regards to is he going to take a turn to the positive or a turn to the worse. So we thought we'd have more time. Uh, but about 18 hours after that statement, Lucas uh, went to be with Jesus. One of the things I've noticed about you 
And and for a long time, I thought you might just be a better person than me. That that could still be true, frankly. I'm not really that good of a guy, but I've always it's noticeable. You know, when we've taken trips together for business, okay, not like getaways, but um, just got to clarify stuff like sure. that these these days. But the the level of no matter if we get delays, just you're just so less easily annoyed than me. Okay. Now most people are, all right, but I you know, and I used to think there's gotta be another reason or explanation for this. And going through that memorial on Friday, I think I've I finally got the answer. And that is what you guys endured with him every day for 28 years. You know, I, I took a mission trip to Haiti about eight years ago and I saw suffering I just can't even quantify in my own brain, okay? Sure. And and I vowed when I got back, man, I'm gonna be a lot, I'm gonna have a lot more broader perspective. And that actually did last for a while. I got less annoyed in traffic, little things mm-hmm. that would just set me off. But after the time goes by, that's a long period of time and you can you go right back to the rut of, what you kind of know. But every single day for 28 years, you guys could have gotten that call. Every every single moment might have been the last time you picked up Lucas. You just never knew. Yeah. And when you have that every single day, I, I think it provides a perspective that maybe a lot of us just because of how we're blessed to live, not even in America, but just life in general that mm-hmm. aren't, don't have rare ailments like this. We just don't have that sort of perspective to help us to see the bigger picture here. So what would you say to the, to so many in our audience right now that are like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know, you know, how many more of, of these boosters they're going to make me take. I don't know if they'll let me see my grandmother. I don't know if they'll ever let me get out of here without being out of, I had a, I've got a guy sending me emails from an ICU right now trying to avoid intubation because he knows what that likely means. What would you say to to so too many of those people that are living that right now in this mm-hmm. audience? Well, first of all, let me go back to something they said. I'm I'm hyper competitive, and I'm Type A, and so I can get wrapped around the axle as easy as anybody. And Darla can see that in me quickly. And frequently, Darla would say when that happened, she would say, "Go take Lucas for a walk." And what she meant by that is go there, get him in his wheelchair push him around the block or, or more. But Lucas had a way of recentering you about what is truly important. And as I told our team, just I mean, I'm, I wanted kids who would compete. I didn't pray to have a Lucas into my life who would never be able to walk or talk or shoot a three. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, And Chuck Norris, the Chuck Norris, told me one time after reading Light from Lucas, he said, Lucas may be the most competitive kid I know, mm. but he's competing for his own life many times. And we saw that right to the very end uh, where he, he worked exceptionally hard. He, he went away peacefully and all of that, but he, he, gave, he gave his all right to the very end. But I think for right now, when Darla and I get trapped into the confines of this world and we start thinking about the little things, that's when we – that's when we get emotional. That's when we get, you know, we get out of sorts. When we stay focused on Lucas with the freedom, 
the disabilities are gone. The tears are gone. That's why we had the balloon launch at the end, just to have a, a, the imagery of freedom. Your, your, the chains are gone is what the Amazing Grace song mm-hmm. was all about. The chains are gone. That's what we see with Lucas. Our 28-year-old son, Hans, he's the third one who spoke at the service. But he said in our home uh, one day when we were going through this, he said, we should rejoice anytime somebody passes from this life into eternity. But my gosh, with Lucas, we should be doing backflips and handstands and just praising God that his disabilities are gone and he is in complete freedom right now. And when we focus there, we are so thrilled and we're so happy. Obviously, we're sad for us yet, but we're so thrilled, we're so happy for him. But so that... Hans, I thought, gave a great perspective of the reason we're here. There's a finality to this, and we need to deal with that. We need to wrestle with that. Uh, I thought Logan, our youngest son, but he's the one who went second, when he talked about Christian community and Ruth, who just gave to our family and the blessing Ruth was to our family. She was basically his nurse, right? Uh, Not even her. No, just— Just a caregiver? Just a care—just a—she has no training whatsoever except for— I, I, I see a family that needs help, and I'm serving. And she served relentlessly. And still, she talks to all of our boys probably three times a week yet. Well, her name was Ruth. Yeah. It, or it is. It, yes. it, 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 in a lot of ways, she matches up with the biblical Ruth. And then Josh, the, our second son, who went first in the service, but when he made a comment about, I want a faith like that. I want a faith like you know mom and dad had in wrestling with Lucas. That's what this life's about. That's the powerful stuff of this. And so, yeah, Darla and I were exceptionally blessed by the life of Lucas. Uh, we were exceptionally blessed by the testimony of Lucas, the service of Lucas. And all praise goes to God, not to anyone else. Very well said, brother. Um, we've got about 30 seconds. Is there anything else you'd like to say here before we close it out? Well, I think... The, the brothers said privately, and they may have said it publicly, but Lucas brought out your best. And the reason he brought your best was because you knew he couldn't. Mm. And so you've been given this platform. We've been given this opportunity. We've been given what we can do. Just give our best. Do it with excellence and honor kids like Lucas in the process. God bless you, man. God bless you as well. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you for coming in and sharing. I know it wasn't easy. Hour two coming up. And your chance to ask me anything when we return. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, all of you. Merry Christmas to all of you as well. Hey, real quick, we got that picture that I want to show the audience here in a minute. All right, cool. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Uh, that, again, is D-E-A-C-E. Let us know what you think about what we think there. You can also uh, like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, And then look for me as well on places that don't censor us called MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Just look for Steve Dace there and get clips of the show that are uncensored. Uh, you can get it at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, including the full version of the Christmas COVID stand parody that we 
unleashed at the beginning of this show that is now posted on Rumble and we'll have it up on all of our social media accounts uh, here during the course of the day. So go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. In a moment, we will get to our Monday Town Hall, Ask Me Anything, and we've got questions this week from all of the platforms, from Facebook, from MeWe, from Parler, Gab, and Getter. We believe in representation and granting agency on this show. So we will do so to our followers on all of those various sites. But first, I've been talking about this um, this this fantastic uh, place called Paint Your Life. And it, what they do is they take photographs, and especially vintage ones. They get worn and, and throughout the years, and you want them to be uh, preserved uh, and maybe even um, remastered, as we used to say back in the day. And, and they do this with world-class painters. And I can give you the whole spiel. I, I told you guys I did this for my mom for Christmas this year. So remember last year, we were told to trust the election of mail-in ballots, of but course. no one got their Christmas gifts until freaking Valentine's Day. Remember yes. that? Okay. So of course, this year, Amy and I are like, dude, we're sending the Christmas gifts out right now, especially this painting of my mom's. And maybe maybe we'll be lucky and it'll be there by Christmas. What do you think happened? It, it showed up like three days later. Okay. So she already got the gift. Okay. But she sent me a picture of the painting. And I, I want to show it to you. Whoa. Look at how good this is. And if you are just listening to this on the podcast, I can't even describe it for you. So this picture, I'm about, I'm about two years old here. So this is from 1975. My mom is 17. So look how young both of us look here, okay? This is the oldest picture I have of my mom and I. And um, and she didn't even know that I had this photo. She's got some older stuff, like when I was like really a baby, okay? But um, it's the oldest one that I have. And she had no idea that this was coming. And, and I mean, look at how good this coloring is. Look what they did. This photo, it's just been so worn and old, it, it, it just... Kind of has that orangish tint to it, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, this just is insane how good this is. And, I mean, it blew my mom away. She doesn't, she can't stop texting me about it, talking about it, okay? So if you're looking for something unique to do for a Christmas gift this year, especially if if we've learned here over the last couple of years and the conversation we just had with our friend Bob, that... Maybe time is fleeting and the things that we have a tendency to take for granted around here as as Americans, we are learning. We we are not going to be permitted those luxuries maybe into perpetuity. I, to me, it's a once in a lifetime gift. It's worth spending, I think, if you've got it, a little bit more for something like this. This is how you preserve memories, okay? And if you text my name, Steve, to 64,000, all right, text my name, Steve, to 64,000, they'll give you 20% off. And free shipping. 20% off and free shipping. You'll get final approval on the painting uh, and the framing, everything. Okay. 20% off. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what this cost. This painting cost about 500 bucks is what it cost me. Okay. So 20%. Now, yours might be more. Yours might be less. All right. So 20%, because I don't want you to think it's going to be like 99.95, and it's not. I mean, this is... You can see from the photo, the craftsmanship of this is extraordinary. How large is the painting itself? It's, it's a full, you know, it would be like, 
like a portrait on a okay. wall. Yeah. yeah. This is okay. heirloom yes. type of stuff. Yes. Okay. So that was the frame, shipping, everything. That's about what it cost. Okay. So text the word Steve, that's my name, to 64,000. Text Steve to 64,000. Get 20% off and uh, free shipping uh, if you want to do this for Christmas. And of course, time is of the essence because it takes about a week or two to, to do this, to, to paint it. Okay. So test, text 64,000 uh, or text Steve to 64,000 for 20% off as well as free shipping. Okay. Let's get to it. It is our Monday Town Hall. Ask me anything edition. These questions come from every single social media platform we currently have followers on. And we're going to like single out, hey, this guy, this is where we, because we're going to give a shout out to all of them here this week. We, we chose to go as best we could with questions of more serious subject matter, just because you only got two shows out of us last week and then a long holiday and figured there's a lot, there's some serious things going on in the world and we have plenty of other time to you know, riff on pop culture or sports if we want, right? So, Todd, you've picked the questions. Yes. I, of course, have not seen them ahead of time. Aaron, you're up. We will begin with Steph Knapp. What is to stop the government from saying that having our children unvaccinated is abuse? What about the other way around with the adult not being vaccinated? I raised my grandson, and I think I would get jabbed if that was the case. The seeds are being planted with the so-called school officials spewing they know better and basically calling concerned parents terrorists. A Texas judge that took away a mother's rights because she was unvaccinated, this judge was one county away from me in rural Texas. This comes to us from Facebook. So, Steph, the first question, what's to stop the government from? You don't even have to fill in the rest. Because it doesn't matter in, in, in what area or issue or criteria we are discussing. It's the same question. What is to stop the government from? And there's only two things. One is righteous people serving in government who understand whom they are ultimately accountable to for their record of public service. Absent that, it's, it's, it's fear of righteous people that they're governing who will hold them accountable themselves. And that's it. And even if we didn't have vaccine mandates, it would be the same if you wanted to homeschool your grandson because you don't want him being educated by the mob or the rainbow jihad. Same question. It's the same, it's the same answer to any area. And I think it's important for us to remember as Americans what our legacy is. So later this week, I've got my, my next book is coming out. And it's, it's meant to be um, a battle plan for how to fight a cold civil war or a culture war in the, the decade of the 2020s. And it's modeled after, you know, one of the things you guys probably have noticed is I like to model my things after things that, that modeled me. And unlike George Lucas, I'm not going to take Frank Herbert's spice in, uh, implemented into my own story and then not give him the credit for it. Okay, so I'll just tell you flat out in my introductions, 
a nefarious plot is an homage to the screw tape letters. A nefarious carol is an homage to a Christmas carol. My next book, Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer, is an homage to Francis Schaeffer's The Christian Manifesto, which was kind of the battle plan for the culture war of that era. But that's 40 plus years ago now, and we're fighting on different fronts now. And after that book, I'm done with books for a while until next fall. Next fall, what we are planning is starting a children's books series on America's Christian heritage. We will release our first one next year around Thanksgiving about the pilgrims. And if it's successful, we'll do a series. If it's not, you guys don't like it, it's not good enough, then we won't do any more. That'll be the pilot program. But when you look at our history as a people, we're not a system. We weren't, we weren't launched or founded or framed by the Constitution. The Constitution is the manifestation of that which we were founded and framed upon. Like people know murdering's bad before someone makes a law against it, right? People kind of know that. After Adam and Eve sin and they cover themselves in shame, which of the Ten Commandments did they know they had broken? And yes, that's a trick question. Why is it a trick question? Because there weren't any yet. Yeah, there weren't any Ten Commandments. They instinctively knew that what they had done, made in God's image, they had instinctively knew what they had done was wrong. Romans one. Yes. That's why we know. Okay. Lewis once made the observation that one of the greatest evidences for a singular creator is the fact that pretty much every religion that calls people to transcendence, not hedonism or occultism, but every religion that calls people to some form of transcendence, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, other religions of the ancient world that called people to some form of transcendence pretty much all had some variation of the same moral code. That's an observation that Lewis once made. Which is some form of confirmation that there is a singular transcendence. We know. The Constitution, therefore, didn't make us better. We don't realize that we need a Second Amendment to protect our God-given freedoms because we read it in the Constitution. We put it in the Constitution because we already foreknew this. And what we foreknew and foresaw, we put in to our governing documents. As what God foreknew and foresaw, he put into his. We have forgotten this. And one of the reasons we forgot it, frankly, is not our own fault. Because this system that was inspired by what we were inspired by has stood the test of time here for the last couple of centuries. It's not been foolproof, but it has been fail-proof. And in the end, it even provided us a means to correct our previous errors. 
to generationally course correct. But if the people, if we, if we hand that system to people who don't seek truth and righteousness, will that system make them better people, Todd? No. No. Or will they corrupt that system? What will happen? The latter. The latter. What is, what is made in the image of God? Our systems or us? Us. Us. So therefore, who decides whether something is righteous or not? The systems we, constru- we construct or the people actually constructing and modifying and adapting and deploying those systems? We're in the Sabbath was made for man, not man exactly. for the Sabbath territory. We've gone bad. And that's why our systems aren't as reliable. That's why when you see things that should be slam dunks, within the last hour, a federal court in Missouri put another injunction. This is the second one now. Put another injunction against Biden's vaccine mandate. But this one goes to specifically for facilities and workplaces that deal with Medicare and Medicaid. Because that's the, that's the end run they're trying to do. Even if they lose on, on, on private businesses in general, they're still trying to deploy it through the CMS and Medicare and Medicaid. A federal judge in Missouri just within the last hour put an injunction against that. 30, 40, 50 years ago and every generation of Americans, regardless of race, creed, or color, would have been shocked that this was even being adjudicated let alone that we're, we're surprised when we get a W over its adjudication. Nothing's changed. We, we have largely the same, in, 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 same constitution, same declaration of independence, same laws of nature and nature's God that we had in 1791, 1789, and 1776. What's changed? The culture's changed. We've changed. And when we change, we have a tendency to want those things that were, that were previously restraining us from these kinds of changes to change with us. That's why if I rode down Main Street in America in 1958, the large church in the urban sector of town didn't have a banner that said, don't place a period where God has put a comma. But if I roll down Main Street in America in 2022, chances are that large, illustrative church that everybody wanted to get married in for decades hasn't heard the gospel preached in it in that, in that cathedral in, in, in a decade or more. And that's why they have that banner out front now of that church. The problem is us. You know, if we realize that God owes us nothing, absolutely nothing. We rebelled against him. We sinned against him. We defied him. He's the only aggrieved party here. If we realize God owes us zilch and every problem in the world is because of us, things actually come into much clearer focus. The problem is that's not a very affirming narrative. It just doesn't. That doesn't mean it's not true, though, but it's not, it's not affirming. That's why our theme this year has been the answer is us. This was always going to go as far as we were willing to let it go.
This was always going to last as long as we were willing to let it last. And that's true on whether you want to, it's the same scam, whether you want to call it guns, whether you want to call it education, whether you want to call it climate, whether you want to call it welfare, whatever you want to call it, it is the same scam. The answer to the question is, as far as we permit them to, that's the answer. And so for a long time, I think we have forgotten this. You know, there, there's a saying sometimes in sports or the theater uh, or, you know, and, and it, it, that something's a lost art. That it was, it was considered to be cutting edge and avant-garde when it first came into being. And then it just became so cliched and everybody did it that people just kind of forgot about it. Because there were new ways of doing that thing in those fields. Somebody comes along and says, I'm just going to go back to the fundamentals. Everybody's over here zigging. I'm going to zag and go back to the fundamentals. And then you're, they're credited with rediscovering a lost art, right? You've heard that expression, sure. right? This is the lost art of activism. And don't blame, your, don't blame ourselves too badly. The guys that we credit with founding this country, they did this dance with the crown for over a decade, man. How many trips to England did Jefferson and Franklin and others make? How many emissaries did they send? How many, how many, how many, how many calls to action did they demand? They weren't, they weren't down to clown right away either. They weren't, they weren't eager to pay the penalty and the cost of their liberty either. Especially because most of the men that were the most pissed off were the wealthiest and most successful. And they knew, dude, if we do this, it's going to be on our lands where this is going to be fought. It's going to be our homes that are going to get burned. It's going to be our belongings that are going to end up burned. It's going to be our, our servants, our families, who are the collateral damage of, in, in the crossfire. But we are now in an era where the systems that we used to rely upon from government going to certain places are not as reliable any longer. Now, did I say they were, they were totally unusable? No, as the verdict we just got in the last hour is. But have we, if we've, we've learned nothing, folks, in the last two years, please let it be this. We cannot solely rely on the systems in place to save us. And the, and the ornerier we show we are about all of this, the less willing to show we are willing to comply with all of this. And the more defiant we are with all of this, here's the irony of it, the more likely those systems will actually then do the jobs we want them to do. If we show them we are passive and we'll put up with it, the less likely they are. That's what government by the consent of the governed means. Do you want to know what John Roberts' judicial philosophy is? That's it, okay? When John Roberts sees if he rules against Hobby Lobby, it's going to unleash a level of cultural civil war between the church and the rainbow jihad that would make this a rather uncomfortable place for Americans to live. Lo and behold, John Roberts is on the side of the angels, is he not? Hmm. 
When he realizes, you know, if I if I grant Trump all these injunctions against these elections, the mob and the BLM and Antifa mobs, they'll come to my suburban D.C. Brownstone and said, so we're not even going to hear these cases. Don't let your fate be decided by John Roberts or Amy Coney Barrett, for that matter. You tell them what your fate will be. Which is, we ain't doing this damn thing, regardless of whatever the hell y'all say. So we can do this the easy way or the hard way. That's all you're going to determine. Because our answer is no way. So no way we're doing this. So you all can rule the right way and make it easy. And we'll just go back to our political neutral corners and we'll fight it out at the next election and have a nice job, have a nice life being Americans. We can do it that way, right? Yeah. Or you all can stick our th- the thumb in, your, in our eye and then we'll end up having to do it the hard way. Where it's Australia, Australia level protest, but with people who have the Second Amendment. What would you prefer? John Roberts is not your ruler. You are his. And neither is Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden. So the answer to your question is is, is the same as it would be on any issue. What is to stop the government from? Us. Us. Unless Unless we have a better culture that can elect a better quality of person. Anthony Fauci is not... It it has not wrecked or broken anything. He is the byproduct of a wrecked and broken culture. Every previous generation of Americans, guys, I'm just telling you, would have hung him by now. They would have tried him for treason and hung him. Not put him on magazine covers or on Sunday morning talk shows. That's on us. So... That's the answer to every issue, whether it's a vaccine mandate or any other infringement on your individual freedom. What's to stop the government from? Nothing. Unless they fear us. That's the whole point of the Second Amendment. It's for your government to fear you. Not for you to fear your government. That was way too long of an answer, but I think this was a very important question, which is why I'm glad it went first. Go ahead, Aaron. Next, we have Wash Georgington, who says, <laughs> what would a Republican midterm win in 2022 even mean other than a pause in the quote-unquote progress of the left? If they don't have the knowledge or the spine to prune back the administrative states, will this only result in a regrouping of team tyranny for the final takeover and dismantling of Americanism? That's from Parlor. So, excellent question. And if we weren't at the brink point that we are right now, I would have really no interest. I don't care. I don't care if Kevin McCarthy's speaker next year or 2023. I don't think substantively all that much changes, frankly. Okay. But this actually is an excellent follow-up to the question that I just asked. This isn't about the Republican Party. This is about us. Okay. Let's look at what's going on in Kansas right now. So our, our friend of the show, our colleague here, Daniel Horowitz, looked at the vaccine mandate ban that the Democrat governor of Kansas just signed. And he said, hey, it's not a perfect bill by any means. It's also better than we've gotten from almost any other red state, like, say, Florida, yet. Now, why did this happen? Because the Democrat governor of Kansas realized that she likes being the Democrat governor of Kansas. She likes it and uh, doesn't want to let go of it. 
And she's pushed, this has been pushed too far. So she's got to give back. This goes to right what I was just talking about. It doesn't matter if Glenn Youngkin doesn't plan on enforcing and stopping local communities from muzzling you or your kids at schools. What matters is if you plan on telling Glenn Youngkin, you know what, you're going to stop Roanoke from masking the kids, Glenn, but thanks. See what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what matters. We want, we, the name Glenn Youngkin should be irrelevant. Shouldn't matter if it's country bumpkin. Glenn Youngkin shouldn't matter. Old dirty bastard. Shouldn't matter what the hell his name is. Shouldn't matter. What matters is what we think. That's what matters. The fact we know all these guys' names and all these judges' names is not good. That's not the way this is supposed to work. When Thomas Jefferson was president, you think he knew who every damn district court federal judge in America was? No. Because most of the time it didn't matter. So what are we going to do? Kevin McCarthy is a soulless, amoral, spineless politician. But I repeat myself. Which means if, if, if we're engaged, he could be a great speaker. Because we will demand nothing less. We just demand a lot less than that. So we tend to get that. You kind of whole reaping what you sow thing. In this case, though, if you can, as, as many, if the Democratic Party is punished enough. Here, folks, this right now is about preserving as much of our way of life for as long as we can to turn this around. And so that, can't, that Democrat governor in Kansas, she's like, dude, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save my skin. You got things out of her you can't get out of the Republican governor in Arizona or New Hampshire or Ohio or a lot of states. You see the point I'm making here? Yeah. Sweep the leg, punish them. Collectively, will the Democratic Party repent? Oh, no. No, it's a demonic construct. But if the, the party itself may be a demonic construct. Is everybody in the Democratic Party a demonic construct? Not yet. No. Not yet. That's the answer. Okay. There's a few soulless politicians still left around there that just want to win and the trappings of power. It can be mobilized the old fa- or motivated the old-fashioned way. She happens to be one of them. So this is why I would... I, the, the Republican Party is irrelevant here. What is the action that will help us to preserve and conserve as much of our way of life as we possibly can? Punishing the Democratic Party as ruthlessly as possible. Even if only 10% of the Republicans are worthy of the seats we're about to give them, and only 10% of Democrats are like the governor of Kansas that are actually still politicians that aren't spiritually given over to a spirit of the age. So you know what you just gained? 20% more freedom and liberty and representation than you had the year before, right? Yep. Is that is that growth? Is that now that's that's incremental progress. For years I was told you need to believe in incrementalism, Steve. And I'm like, uh, no, dude. You just think losing slower is incrementalism. That is actually incrementalism. That's a first down. Is it a, is it a touchdown? Did we win the game? Is the game over? No. No. But is it the is it a first down? Do we still hold possession of the ball? Are we still on offense? 
Are they still responding to us? So is that progress? Are we still matriculating the ball down the field, Hank Stram? It's, you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. This isn't about any of these names. It's about us, the people. There's been this huge notion of populism and populist fervor sweeping the right in America in the Trump era. Prove it. More in a moment. You know, you've got homeowner's insurance for a very good reason, because without it, a serious event like a fire, a flood, or even a burglary could end up uh, harming, maybe destroying you financially. But there's another major issue that you need to be aware of, and it is called home title theft. It's one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially as well. This happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents, making it look like you have sold your home to them so that they start taking out loans against your equity and to get your home back, to get your title back in the free and clear. First, you got to prove that you weren't the one that committed the fraud, and that takes a lot of money. And then you got to go after the fraudster. You need an ally, and that's who our friends at Home Title Lock just so happen to be. And right now, you can register your address for free to see if you're already a victim when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, enter the code RADIO to get 30 free days of protection for the title to your most important asset, your own home, Again, that's the code radio when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. All right, back with more Ask Me Anything. Aaron. We'll go next to Johnny Fortner. And boy, I love this one. Buy, sell, or hold. At this point, blaming the unvaccinated for the spread of the Chinese Fauci flu is likened to prostitutes blaming virgins for the spread of STDs. That's from me. That's a great analogy. And I, I think at this point... And with all the data I've seen, if, if you're, I would be far more concerned about vaccinated people spreading the virus to you as someone who is unvaccinated than the other way around. I mean, far more concerned. Like, it's not even like, I don't even think it's like close. Okay. So that's, I mean, I don't know that I can top that analogy. That, that's exactly right. And, and, and soon it's going to be a, a, a pandemic of the unboosted. Uh, of the, then it will be a pandemic of the uh, of the not double boosted. This will go on as long as we are willing to let it go on. And it won't end one minute sooner. Next up, Texas rust gut. With the FDA <laughs> approval of children's COVID vaccines for five years and up, the Biden administration, uh, will the Biden administration link child tax credit payments to mandatory vaccines? This comes from Gab. That's Wow. That's one of those questions, and I've done this to people in the past, that when I asked it, they then looked at me and winced and said, don't put that out of the ether. (laughs) Okay. But could I see that level of cult? Sure. Sure, I could. And this actually is a good follow-up to the question about voting in the midterms next year. This is where, again, not everybody, everybody who is, is, is a COVID stand Karen voted for Biden. But not every Biden voter was a COVID stand Karen, right? The Democratic Party is a demonic construct, but not everybody in the Democratic Party themselves is a demonic construct. So the more that they get punished for doing things like this, 
the more it helps us to kind of sift and weed out that there are version of the wheat from the chaff. Who's really in on the cult? Who's really here to, t- to for the end of Western civilization? And who just is more big government, maybe more socialist than, than we are, but certainly doesn't, um, you know, doesn't wake their kids, you know, say goodbye to their kids in the morning with Das Vendania comrades. So now, you know, the Kansas governor ain't in on the cult. Doesn't mean you shouldn't vote her out. Doesn't mean she's not a lib, socialist, leftist. Doesn't, I don't know. She might still be all those things, but she's not in a cult. She will at least on some level acknowledge realities. Cults don't acknowledge realities. They cannot be bargained with, reasoned with, pressured. They have to be deconstructed and defeated. So that's one of the reasons why you want to punish Democrats, regardless of the state of the Republican Party right now. You want to punish Democrats as much as possible. Because if you don't, the odds of what you're proposing and more and worse things than happening demonstrably go up. Because cults have hangers-on, too. Cults have sell-out you know, followers, too. Well, I just thought it was cool, or she was hot, or I thought he was cute. Now you're drinking Kool-Aid, and everybody's collapsing, and I'm like, oh, no, not so hot and cute anymore, right? This is why these people have to be punished. If we don't punish them, their ranks of followers will swell. Because people like joining winners. They must be punished. Now, don't punish yourself by going into the real estate market without a real estate agent that you can trust, especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Where would you find such an agent? Well, the good thing is we made it really simple for you. The name says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com, just about anywhere in America that you want to move to or escape from. Uh, we can help you find an agent who has a fully vetted track record of success and also knows that uh, you're the one in charge of their situ- of, of your situation, but they'll come in and help you take charge of it as well. So check them out online. Chances are this might even be an agent who's a Blaze watcher or a listener just like you. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Liberty Oppresso is next. The people who want to reset the world, could they possibly have planned and foreseen all this? Or do you think they themselves are surprised at how easy it was? That's from Getter. Why is the answer to this question important? I do think in the times in which we live, for a long time I got out of the motivational um, projection business. Because I often made the dumbest mistakes or the best takes doing that. And that's a high risk, high reward ratio that gets a lot of people fired for very little, um, for, for very little gratuity. The juice isn't worth the squeeze because often, regardless of motivations, the end results are the same, right? Mm-hmm. This past year or so, we have delved more into motivations because I do think they matter more. Like we were just talking about motivations a minute ago, which Democrats are just you know, of a different political persuasion and then which ones are completely given over to a Molochian level of cult, right? Mm-hmm. On this question, though, I don't know that the motivation matters. Um, in terms of they motivated the the event to happen, they're the, they're the originator of it, or they are the... Um, um, 
they're the facilitator or they are the opportunist. Because I think we're back to the end result is the same nevertheless. I am inclined to believe they are opportunists. Because when you when you take a step back and you look at the lingo and the language and the tactics, this is everything that they've always attempted to try to message and narrative on climate, on guns, on everything. It just so happens that those are areas where not enough Americans were willing to trade liberty for security for those things to truly be the, the instruments of, of our demise here. This one turned out to be. They, they finally found the sweet spot. They finally scratched where it itched. So I'm inclined to think that this was opportunism. I'm inclined to think, I think that if this thing was planned completely, it wouldn't be so easy for people like me who, who had untrained eyes for these for these topics going in to so easily deconstruct them. There would have been another level of 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 chess played here. And instead they've often been caught with their pants down. There are control groups out there. And that's why I'm inclined to think that this is opportunism, not originalism. Next, we'll go to Tim Cheek. Supposedly, politics is downstream from culture. 80 years of movies, TV, books showing freedom lovers as good and totalitarian regimes as bad, yet the majority of the world just goes along with government overreach and the stripping of individual freedoms. Is this cultural influence only applicable for the spirit of the age? That comes from Facebook. It's interesting. I, we were just watching The Incredibles 2 last night. Yeah. I had the same thought. Do they understand the messages that they are actually That's conveying. a very right-wing film. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yet, here we are. I, I think knowing what I know about, what's his name? It's uh, Brad something or other, who does the did the two Incredible movies. Knowing Brad what Bird. I know, Thank you. Knowing what I know about him, I think it is very intentional. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, if you go see the new Ghostbusters movie, which is really enjoyable, by the way, Dan Aykroyd has gotten f- far more conservative as the years have gone on politically. And I don't know if it was in the script or he just ad-libbed it, but... There's a scene in the movie where he where he literally says it was the 80s. You know, we had Reagan, we had prosperity, we were more idealistic back then. That's exactly what he says. <laughs> okay. Um so I absolutely believe politics flows downstream from culture. I absolutely believe it. And I think there's there's a, there's a new counterthought going out there that that politics is, is, is actually driving culture now. I don't believe that's the case. But I think, I think it, it, it looks like that to some because there's another variable here that we have to consider, human nature. Our nature as a species... Our nature is we are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Our nature is to, is to 
is to fall for the lie that tells us what we want to hear. And, and then not stand up for ourselves, our beliefs, or the people that are under our protection and guidance when challenged, unless we absolutely have no other choice. If you know the story of the lead-up to World War II, you know there's at least two, two instances. One of them happened in the Rhineland, where Hitler's ascension could have been absolutely squashed with a little, a little initiative. But the French didn't have the will to fight. And so they gave Hitler a PR and public relations and political victory for the people to rally behind. This is kind of how we roll. We let the bully take the lunch money over and over and over again, and then only tend to fight back when we're just out of lunch money, right? And so there's no alternative. I think that's why it looks like the culture is being driven by politics right now. Because when you look at the culture, you see, as you point out in your question there, Tim, what sells and what does not what messages market and which ones don't. And like, how do I, how do I make these two things jive? It's, it's we're too complacent. We're too complacent. That's the issue. And so it looks like politics is driving the culture. No, the culture is soft. And because as Americans, we've been living off of these virtues and ideals as an esoteric or theoretical exercise for more than a generation. I'm not shocked to find out we're entertained by them when they're presented in an esoteric or theoretical exercise in a movie or a book or some work of fiction or a story or a tale. When they're presented as, though, take potentially a poisonous substance or lose your job, Suddenly, poop ain't uh, esoteric or theoretical anymore, right? right? Then we start thinking, well, I mean, I got to pay the bills next month. After I just watched The Incredibles 2 and these, these, all these stories and movies with all these conservative and patriotic themes about self-reliance and individual freedom and liberty. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, we're back to, again, the problem is, the, is, is people. People are the problem. P- human nature is the problem. And so culture is, politics is still downstream from culture. It just seems like politics is driving the culture right now because the culture's soft, soft, lazy, complacent. Now, the good news is we're, we're less so than we were a year ago at this time. And I don't know how you could possibly deny that. No way you could deny that. But we're still not there yet. Okay, we're still not there yet. That's why you want to check out this movie from some friends of mine. Uh, they put together a fantastic film called Enemies Within the Church. It's a film that just lets you see for yourself the compromised evangelical establishment. You are going to see clips, I mean, that are just troubling to watch. But these are things we need to know so that we can act on it. All right. 
Enemies Within the Church brings together Christian voices from across the nation and the world to share what they have witnessed. How did we get here? Where's the church been in America's slide? Contributing to it. All right. So now is the time to put this message in front of the church so that we can faithfully search out the truth. Every Christian, every patriot needs to see this film and then share it with everyone that you know. All right. If you want to get a DVD or purchase the pay-per-view stream version of it, go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. Again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. One more time, enemieswithinthechurch.com. We have time for a lightning round or you guys want to wrap it up? Aaron, you got the next question. What do you think? Sure. Let's okay. go with this one. Um, Ted Cruz, this is from Melanie Whitener. Uh, Ted Cruz was asked, given the state of our universities, would you still send your kids to college? He replied, yes, because the credentialing is necessary. The question is, uh, he doesn't even suggest they'd learn anything of value, but rather they need the okay from a nefarious to succeed in life. Doesn't his reply cede power to the left? On some level, Yes. It does, and that's why the answer we have to we're going to have to create alternative healthcare, alternative education, alternative cultural systems across the board. We're going to have to do that. Yes. All right, I think that's it. All right, can't get another question in this in uh, ten seconds. Any final thoughts before we get out of here in thirty seconds? Well, whatever doubt you're feeling in your heart about uh, facing the struggles in front of you, posed by the questions again. Remember the antidote we had live and in person on this show today in the form of uh, Bob Vanderplants, and he's uh, he's not unique. There's all kinds of people who have decided to put faith over fear. Do the same. Well said. Back at it again tomorrow uh, from noon to Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.